It's a, just a delight for us, church, to have today uh, the C3 Australian National Director, Pastor Lars Halverson. And uh, Pastor Lars, if you've never heard him, uh, he, he's a ballina boy from way back. He loves his fishing. He's a mad keen fisherman. He loves catching barramundi in the north end and in the top end, uh, dodging crocodiles as part of his... He is not the crocodile hunter, but he could be the crocodile hunter. Uh, but he is a, he, he's not just a fisherman of fish. He's a fisher of men. He's a great evangelist. Uh, he's got a beautiful family, three daughters, beautiful wife, Megan. And they, they've uh, been assistant pastors. They've been the dean of the Bible college. And then a number of years ago, moved to Darwin to take on a struggling church that had under 100 people. They've grown it to over 1,000. Uh, a, a number of those people are right now in C3 Melbourne East End. So you know who you are who moved to Melbourne from Darwin. So you know how awesome Pastor Lars is. But he's a, he's a great leader. He's a great preacher. Uh, it's a privilege for us to have him today ministering to us. So I want you to open up your hearts and get ready to receive this morning and for, for Coasters tonight as well. So come back tonight, but this morning right now, open up our hearts. Melbourne, I know if you're not standing, why don't you stand? Let's put our hands together. Welcome Pastor Lars Halverson. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Thank you for that warm welcome. I feel like I've been welcomed three times this morning and uh, I am so excited to be here physically at the C3 Powerhouse Sunshine Coast, but also online to Melbourne. And so I'm really excited to be with you all. This is one of the great churches in Australia, not just in C3. You need to know that. C3 Powerhouse is one of the great churches across the board in Australia. What you have here is incredible. The heritage, the history, the wells that have been dug, the, the water, the, the, the Spirit of God that just gets stirred up in this place. And I really admire uh, this church, but in particular, obviously, your, your pastors, Pastor John and Danielle, who are heroes of mine, as well as friends, but absolute heroes. They are pioneers, they are leaders, they have so many incredible qualities, which is very rare to find just in the, in the one or two people. Like there's from wisdom to the power of the Holy Spirit, to the love for the Word of God, to the love for the presence of God, uh, incredible leadership capacity and mentoring and coaching. And I just want you guys to know how blessed that you are to have them as your senior pastors. Can you put your hands together this morning for Pastor John and Dan? We love you guys. We love the team here as well at C3 Powerhouse. And Dan and Ebony, you guys rock in Melbourne. I have so much respect and admiration for you guys for who you are and what you've accomplished down there. So let's, uh, let's grab a seat, shall we? And uh, we will turn to the Word of God in just a moment. Music team, you can do likewise. Can we put our hands together for the music team? Incredible. I love that song, that Holy Forever song. We actually just started doing it in Darwin too, just the last couple of weeks. And I've missed it, so I can't wait to get back and do it, do it again. So, uh, hey, it's so exciting to be here. I uh, have always wanted to come to C3 Powerhouse. We had an incredible day yesterday at the Leaders Big Day Out and have learned a lot of things that I'll be stealing and taking back to our church in Darwin. And uh, it's, been, it's been wonderful. 
I want you to turn with me in your Bibles this morning, uh, if you can, to Mark chapter 6 and verse 47 to 52. Uh, it will be on the screen. We're going to read one of the stories of one of the miracles of Jesus and one of this incredible supernatural signs and wonders of Jesus. And uh, Mark chapter 6, verse 47 says this, later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake and he was alone on land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them, walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them. I just want to highlight just that little phrase there. He was about to pass by them. But when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately, he spoke to them and said, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Everyone say, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them and the wind died down. They were completely amazed for they had not understood about the loaves, their hearts were hardened. Incredible story of Jesus walking on the water. You've all heard the story before. The last verse right there is kind of a little bit peculiar. And it's the type of verse that you would ordinarily maybe just skip over. If we could just have a look at it again. It says, for they had not understood about the loaves, their hearts were hardened. This last sentence gives an explanation to the disciples what happened before this sentence. They went from being absolutely terrified to being totally amazed at Jesus. So at one point, they think he's a ghost, they're terrified, it's like the scariest thing they've ever been in. And then the next minute, they're just totally amazed and in awe at Jesus. Who knows, that's the two kind of extremes that you can have when it comes to Jesus. And the disciples have, have it in just a few moments. And this verse here says that there was something that they didn't understand about Jesus that caused them to go to both extremes. There was something that they didn't understand about Jesus that allowed them to get so terrified when Jesus turned up. Do you know, you'd think that if Jesus turns up, it's just gonna be all good, right? Well, even for the disciples, when Jesus turned up, they were a little bit unsure, uncertain, actually quite terrified. And it was because there was something that they didn't understand about Jesus. I wanna let you know this morning that none of us have got it all figured out about Jesus. And there's gonna be things that we actually don't understand, but we can grow in our understanding of Jesus and this will affect the way that we live our life. So what they didn't understand, it says, was about the loaves. It's so strange. But if you know what happened before, see that Jesus went from feeding the 5,000 in the, in the story just before this in the gospel. And once again, it's a well-known story, the feeding of the 5,000, where, where a small boy brings five loaves of bread and two fish, and Jesus multiplies it and feeds 5,000 people. Why did the people need to eat? Because Jesus had gone out to teach, and 5,000 people followed him out of the city 
and into the wilderness. And they just sat there listening to him all day long. And all of a sudden they realized, oh, it's getting late. There's no food. What are we going to do? The miracles of Jesus. I love the miracles of Jesus. We're singing about miracles this morning. The miracles of Jesus are twofold. It's not just the miracle that he does, which is awesome. You need to understand there's a deeper meaning in every miracle that Jesus does. It's awesome for the, for the people who got fed, but it wasn't just about the people who got fed. When Jesus heals a blind man, it's awesome for the blind man who gets healed, but it's not just about the blind man. It's actually, what does this tell you about Jesus? What does this tell you about Jesus, the power that he has? That over nature, over physical matter, over the body, over everything, over all creation. So whenever you see a miracle of Jesus, you need to ask the question, what does this tell me about Jesus? And so the disciples didn't understand about the loaves. So that's telling us, that's a hint there that when Jesus fed the 5,000, it wasn't just about feeding hungry people. We often think, well, they were hungry, they needed food, Jesus fed them. That's awesome, what a great miracle. But there's actually more to it than that. And when you look at it, Jesus actually took the people out of the city to do the miracle into the wilderness. And so everything that Jesus does here is symbolic. And he's taking God's people into the wilderness kind of as a symbol of what happened in the Exodus when Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt and takes them into the wilderness. And Jesus, he's got them in the wilderness, he's just done the miracle, and see, the miracle was just setting it up for what he wanted to say to them. And he starts saying things like this. Moses didn't feed God's people in the wilderness, the bread. God fed them the bread. The bread came down from heaven. And then Jesus says this, I am the bread who came down from heaven. I am the bread of life and whoever eats the bread of my body will live forever. And people didn't understand what he was saying. We find out that even the disciples didn't understand what he was doing. And the writer, Mark, when he writes this, he's saying, you know what, if the disciples actually understood who Jesus really was, they wouldn't have been so terrified. If the disciples had understood what Jesus was trying to tell them, in this story in the, in the wilderness by doing the miracle of the bread. This, this whole passage is symbolic of what he's trying to do. And so at the end of this miracle, and Jesus talking about the bread and talking about Moses, he brings Moses into, into the story and he's like identifying a moment in history, because this is important just to set this up so you can see where we're going with this, is that when Moses met with God in the wilderness, God called Moses up a mountain. And Moses goes up the mountain and Moses is saying to God, I wanna see, I wanna see your glory. And, and God's like, okay, you can see my glory. Hide in the rock of this mountain and I'll let my glory pass by. God says, you cannot see my face, but I will cause my glory to pass by. And so the glory of God passes by Moses. Just the glory of God in that he was in the presence of is so profound and so powerful that Moses' face is shining and he has to cover it for, for the next few weeks because it's shining so bright. 
just the, the glory of God, he wasn't allowed to see his face. And so Jesus, fresh from that story, combining the bread with the Exodus story and comparing himself to, to Moses and bringing, being the bread of life, Jesus tells the disciples to hop in a boat, go to the next city, and he says, I'll meet you there. It's on the other side of the sea. So how's Jesus intend on getting to this city? The disciples hop in the boat and they start rowing. And Jesus says, I'll see you there. And that's where we pick up this story. It says, later that night, the disciples are rowing their boat. They're not getting anywhere because the wind's so strong. Once again, this is all symbolic. I don't know if you've, you've ever felt that your life is like you're rowing this boat. You've been rowing all night and you look and you think, I'm not actually getting anywhere. Am I actually going backwards? Am I going around in circles? And I'm just about out of energy. I don't know if I can keep this up because I've been rowing all night. And it says shortly before dawn, which is when Jesus always comes, right? Just, just in the nick of time, shortly before dawn, just before we're about to throw it in, just when it's at its darkest, who knows that it's always darkest, just before the dawn, just at the darkest moment, Jesus comes to them walking on the lake and he was about to pass them by. Just like the glory of God passed by Moses, he was about to pass them by. But Jesus is making a point. Jesus is always comparing the old to the new. And Jesus, the disciples start crying out to Jesus, which is actually a pretty good idea because then Jesus comes to them and it says that Jesus climbed into the boat and immediately the wind ceased. As soon as Jesus climbed into the boat, the wind stopped, they made it to the other side. So Jesus comes to this point where instead of the glory of God passing by and you cannot see my face, Jesus says, no, no, in the New Testament, you get me. You don't just get the glory of God, you actually get God himself. And all you have to do is invite me into your boat. You come in, I come into your boat, everything is going to change for your life. And there's maybe people here today, you may be watching online in Melbourne, that you find that the wind has been blowing, you're out of energy, you're out of strength, you're not sure if you're actually making any progress. I'm telling you, the answer is, you don't actually just need to come in to the presence of God and say, oh, that was nice, I felt something. That's the glory of God passing by. You actually invite Jesus to come and climb into your boat and you will find that that is what makes everything change. Jesus in your boat. So everything about this passage is symbolic. And Jesus is always trying to show us a bigger picture than what's actually just happening in the scripture. And so in the New Testament, there's a guy called Timothy and he's a disciple of Paul. And he's gone and planted a church and he's pastoring a church in Ephesus. But Timothy, just like the disciples in the boat, he's having these range of issues and his particular issue is fear. And Paul writes a letter to Timothy and saying like, Timothy, you gotta stop being so afraid. Timothy, we know he's a young pastor. Maybe he's a little bit intimidated by, by some of the people who are in, in the church. And, he, and Paul knows that Timothy is shrinking back in fear 
And Paul writes this letter to him. I want to read to you a couple of verses of what Paul says to Timothy here. He says, therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. 2 Timothy 1, 6 and 7. Paul writes to Timothy, he says, the gift of God is in you. Jesus has climbed into your boat. The gift of God is on the inside of you. I remind you now to fan it into flame. It's actually the presence of God in our life. And sometimes, he says, it's like a fire. It's like a campfire that you leave it overnight when you go to bed and you come out and there's just maybe just a few, a few coals left if you're lucky. For, for Timothy, the gift of God, the, this life of the Holy Spirit has kind of just gone down. The fire's died down. And do you know what? In life, that happens. You don't, you don't have to necessarily put the fire out for the fire of God to die down. Now, we've all got things that we can do that can put the fire out, right? You know what they are. People you hang out with that can put the fire out, you know who they are. But life, just in general, if you don't keep putting fuel on the fire, the fire will die down. And so Tim, Paul's right, come on, come on, Timothy, put some fuel on the fire. What are the things that, that put fuel on the fire for you? Obviously, being in church every week, that's going to put fuel on the fire. Reading the Bible every morning, that's going to put fuel on the fire. Praying and seeking God, that's going to put fuel on the fire. Coming to leaders big day out, that's going to put fuel on the fire. Fan into flame the gift of God, which is on the inside of you. But he says this, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Timothy, you're actually being shut down by the fear that's happening to you. The fear that, the things that you're afraid of, the things that you're uncertain of, actually causes you to shut down. And the gift of God, the things, the very things that God wants to do in your life are not happening because you're living in fear. And that's what fear does. It shuts us down from the gifts that God has for us. And Paul says to Timothy, God has not given you that spirit of fear. Fear is like a spirit. It's a spirit of fear that gets on you and intimidates you. I don't know if you've ever experienced a spirit of fear. I remember when I was, when I was just about to get married. In fact, it was the week of our wedding. I wasn't afraid of getting married, don't worry. That's kind of, <laughs> could go the wrong way with that. But uh, we moved I got the rental of where we were going to live as newly, newlyweds and I moved in there a week before the wedding and then Megan was going to move in after the wedding and so I'm in this house and in the week before, every night, I would hear footsteps coming down the hallway and the whole place would just go cold, every hair on my arm, and like, I don't know if you've ever had that and I'm like, oh my gosh and so for the first few nights, I'm just like, the heck? It's like and you're trying to pray or say Jesus and you kind of get the words out and it's like, what the heck's going on? And then after a while, I realized, okay, this is a spirit of fear that's actually coming to intimidate me, trying to, trying to you know, attack me in a very vulnerable time of my life. It means to be the best, best week of my life, right? And so I remember I just, okay, God, you haven't given me a spirit of fear. You've given me a spirit of power. That's my first point here this morning. God has given us a spirit of power. And so then, the only way to, from, that I saw to overcome this spirit of fear was actually to activate the spirit of power. And so I had a plan. I'm like, okay, if this thing comes back, it's on. It's on. 
and I'm not going to turn on the lights because that's cheating, <laughs> right? I'm not going to turn on the lights. I'm going to face this. I'm going to go face to face, man to devil, right? And sure enough, in the middle of the night, the footsteps are coming down the door. I'm right, okay, let's go. And so I went out there. I'm like, come on, in the name of Jesus, let's do it. Let's have it, All right? And that thing just turned around and ran away. Never came back. Why? Because there's a spirit of power. There's a spirit of power. You actually have to face your fears. You have to face your giants. David, when facing Goliath, right? Goliath's out there just intimidating the whole army and nobody has the guts to go out there and face him. And David just gets out there and says, who does he think he is? Come on, Goliath, let's go. So, because I know that God has given me a spirit of power. So I have a spirit of power on the inside of me. And that's how you come up against the spirit of fear. Well, that's one of the ways you come up against the spirit of fear. Because there's actually another way you come up against the spirit of fear as well. And I know that you guys, you're the powerhouse, right? So as soon as I start talking about the spirit of power, I'm talking your language. That's awesome. So I'm not gonna talk too much about the spirit of power. I wanna talk about the next one, the spirit of love. See, God has not given us a spirit of fear. He has given us a spirit of power. But the sentence doesn't stop there. The verse doesn't stop there. If it was just the power of God, it, the sentence would stop there, wouldn't it? You'd say, God hasn't given me a spirit of fear, but he's given me a spirit of power. Full stop. But it doesn't stop there. He's also given us his spirit of love. That's my second point. Say, I have his spirit of love. That was like, Four people. Thank you, Pastor John. <laughs> Say it. I have his spirit of love. There we go. That's more like it. I reckon I, reckon I heard some of the Melbourne guys then. That was, that was them coming through the speakers. I have his spirit of love. You know, sometimes it's not just the spirit of power that casts out the fear. It's actually the love of God. My seven-year-old daughter, sometimes she gets scared at night. And... I've gone in there and I've tried casting out the spirit of fear like I did in my, when I was, you know, 25, about to get married. It didn't work, just makes them more scared. If I go in there, I, like, no, everything's fine now. It's like, no, you just scared me, right? So what do I do? I just say, do you want to cuddle till you go back to sleep? She's like, yeah, it's love. You know, sometimes love is what gets rid of the fear as well. Who knows that power is awesome, but it can be dangerous. It's got to be combined with love. So God has given us his spirit of power, because power, can, you can use it for yourself. You can use power to, your, to suit you, to benefit you, to help you. Even when it's God's power, people misuse God's power. But if you combine God's spirit of power with God's perfect spirit of love, man, that is a powerful combination. Now God's power is traveling in exactly the right direction. So I want to read this scripture to you, John. 1 John chapter 4, verse 13. This is not how we know that we live in him and he in us. Once again, God's, the spirit that God gave us is not a spirit. God has given us his spirit. 
The Spirit of God is in us. He has given us of His Spirit. Verse 14, and we have seen and testify that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them. This is how you get Jesus into your boat. Acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God. He lives in you, but you live in Him. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Perfect love drives out fear. The love of God. You know, sometimes you feel like, I don't even know if I feel like I've got the power of God right now. But guess what? You've got the love of God because the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of you. You have the love of God and there is no fear in his love. If I was to hold an empty glass right now, picture it. I should have asked for a prop, but I didn't think of it. An empty glass of water. Uh, no water, sorry. Empty glass. <laughs> empty glass. It's full of air. But if I was to pour water into that glass, where does, what happens to the air? It gets pushed out. Let's say that that air represents fear. That glass represents you. When fear comes to you, what's the answer? It's actually just to get filled with the water, which is the love of God. Get filled with the love of God. As the love of God fills, it drives out all the fear. And so sometimes when we get afraid, we start you know, wanting to pray against fear, pray against fear, pray against fear. Actually, God, just fill me with your love. God, can you fill me with your love? I wanna know your love, I wanna experience your love more and more of the love of God, what happens to the fear? It's got nowhere to go, it, nowhere to stay. It has to go, it has to leave. So it's the love of God also comes to us and makes us unafraid. The love of God actually fills us, builds a strong foundation under us from which we can be bold. The love of God combined with the power of God. And the third thing, and the final thing, and maybe the music uh, team can come back, is I have his spirit of a sound mind. He has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, his spirit of love, but also his spirit of a sound mind. It's like, well, what even is that? What does that mean? Where does that fit into this, this scripture? Well, I wanna tell you that as human beings, we were created, we were designed, we were built for the power and for the love of God. God's original design for mankind is that we would walk around in these bodies filled with the power and the love of God. So if you are focusing and living your life filled with the power and the love of God, that is the most sound mind a human can be. You, some people will say, oh, just stop talking about the power of God and the love of God and just be real. Like, just be a real person. No, no, that is a real person because we were designed for the power of God and for the love of God. And so when we're living 
in the power and the love of God, that is the soundest mind that you've got. That is you in your most right mind. It's the power and the love of God together. And it's getting that balance, the power of God and the love of God in my heart. And I love this scripture, 1 Corinthians 2, 16. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. More and more, Jesus in my life, Jesus of God, you've given me your mind. So if my mind is starting to, to, to make me afraid, starting to play tricks on me, I have the mind of Christ. It's filled with the power and filled with the love of God. I love how Jesus says, don't be afraid to the disciples. Because, and all the way through the Bible, and you may have heard it said before, like say the Bible says like, fear not, 365 times, there's one for every day of the year. And that, do you know why? Because I used to think that God wanted us to be fearless, but he doesn't say be fearless. Live a life where you are never afraid. If he's given us 365 fear knots, it's because you know what, every day there's probably something that pops up that could cause us to fear. And he knows we're human and he knows that fear does come to us. Fear is not something that you just get done and it's away with and that's it for the rest of your life, you've overcome fear, no. There's always challenges that come. Fear is more like weeds in your garden. I went away over Christmas and it's the Darwin wet season. Oh my gosh, you should see what I came back to. It doesn't take long. You clock off, all sorts of stuff can come, all sorts of things you're afraid of. You know, when you're, when you're a parent of a newborn baby, there's natural fears that you have for that baby. And then when your child goes to school, there's natural fears. There's, there's a new one, new fear. I never had that fear before. And then when your kids start hopping in the car with their friend who just got their pee plates, there's another fear, right? There's all kinds of new fears. We found when, in our house, we, we changed suburb five minutes away and there's all these different weeds in our garden than what I used to have in my old one. And it's like, what just happened there? All these new stages of life, there's new weeds that can come up, new fears that can happen. There's fears that you were walking in this week that you've never had before. I just wanna help you here. When God says, fear not, doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you that you're feeling those fears. You need to acknowledge those fears, but then you need to understand, okay, God has not given me a spirit of fear. And so I'm gonna pull those weeds out. And I'm gonna stay on top of those weeds. And anytime a new weed comes up, I know what I need to do. Because fear is a weed in the garden. And I'm just gonna get filled with the love of God I'm gonna get filled with the power of God. Can we all just stand where we are right now? Let's just close our eyes and lift our hands to heaven. Father, we thank you that you have given us your spirit. Your spirit fills us. Just lift our hands where you are. I wanna pray right now for the spirit of love just to be poured out in every heart. Thank you for the spirit of love. The spirit of God displacing any fear by the power of God. We thank you, Lord. 
we partake of your spirit. And just as we wait on the, on the Lord in this moment, I think we're gonna say goodbye to the Melbourne crew and you're gonna have your own time of ministry.